so for the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with what does it look like when a man or woman after God's heart starts to grow up in him. We mature, we, we begin to put down the roots that we are always called to do. What does it look like when we really look inside of our hearts and we start to realize where God is shaping us and those moments, those seasons that, that entrench us, that grow us, that give us life, those challenging moments. I think we would all agree today that we've had moments in our lives where we feel like we have had a challenge, that we've gone through something, that perhaps today you would say, I've gone through something, or I am going through something, and I don't know what God intends to do with it. All I know is this, I want to do something with my life from this moment. I believe this, that your testimony matters. What you've gone through, what you've experienced, those great seasons, those tough seasons, it matters. It matters because it shapes you. God is constantly trying to move you from the image of yourself into the image of God. And to do that, he takes you right through the life of Jesus, where he has modeled how to pursue him in godliness. So today, as we look at the verses together in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, as we dive in there, we're going to see exactly what it looks like when we feel like it's temporary, and I want you to know something, no matter what you're going through right now, it's temporary. It, it always seems like it's been built to last. Our trials, our temptations, our hurts, our pains always want to hold on to you longer than they really are. It, it just seems like whatever we're going through in that moment seems like it's never going to leave us, like it's going to leave a permanent scar you ever keep your hands in your pockets for too long? And then you take your hands out and you see the lines. Man, that was quick. Anyways, you get the lines on your hands and it always seems like my hand's going to be like that forever. Never lasts. Never lasts. This is exactly what this world will do to us. It'll convince you that everything we're going through is going to last forever. And it just doesn't. It's an impossibility because everything that is here is gone like that. It's so temporary. God is calling us to have a mind focus that looks beyond the now. So let's see what that looks like in Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You ready? It says this, For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, designed to be put on our, uh, to put on our heavenly dwelling. Since we have taken it off, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who has prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us his spirit as a down payment. So we are also confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people what we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your consciousness. 
We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so we may reply for those who take pride in outward appearances rather in the heart. For if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. For he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but those who died who died for them was raised. Let's keep going. We're almost done. For now on, then, we do not know if any, anyone from worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has been reconciled to us himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I know that seems like a lot of scripture, but I want you to see why we read all of it in chapter 5. First thing we got to get in our minds according to this letter to the Corinthians. And remember, the Corinthians were people just like us. They had a world that looked just like us. They had people that acted just like us. And this is the church. These are those that would gather together to worship Jesus in this church in Corinth. He's writing to them and he's asking them to remember who they really are. Starts with this, that we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God. He's telling them, listen, you are counting on so many other things but the truth. And here's the truth of you and I. In Christ, we see that we have an eternity that is better than our today. Amen. I'm so grateful for that. Because anything we could build that would be great, well, let's just go backwards. Let's just talk the preferred human outcome. I mean, let's just talk. If we could make everything plain and simple, what would it look like? And here's what it would look like. All of us would have a mega house that was paid for, right? With a butler and a maid and a chef. And we, none of us would have to cook, but we'd all eat healthy because our chef would cook it for us. That's why we go eat McDonald's. We don't have time to cook. But then somebody would be there and they would constantly be bringing us the, the newest car, Paid for. It would drive up in our parking lot and we'd go, I wanted that in red. And they'd drive it off and red would come up and we'd go, oh, that's fantastic. It would be paid for. And then we would go outside to our luxurious pool. I don't know how many times y'all have been to Amarillo's community pools. Uh, but you realize this, you get about this much space to swim in. But this pool, you would have all the space you need. It would be completely shaded. So you wouldn't sunburn. It would be completely the right temperature at all times of the year. And as you swam, you would be super fast. You would lead to your job, as we call it, but you wouldn't have to do work. You'd just sit around and boss people all day. You do this. You do that. And you'd point one more time, they'd give you the Nobel Peace Prize. You'd be like, yes. You'd be invited to Hollywood. You'd show up and they would give you an Oscar. Why? Because you are you. They would just invent it. You would show up and Leonardo DiCaprio would run up and ask you for your autograph. 
You'd say, oh, Leo, <laughs> there you go, son. It would be fantastic. You'd go to the basketball game. You'd walk out on the court. LeBron James would go, you know what? You do it better. You take the ball. You would say, I know I do. And you would play and score 100 points in a game by the half. You would be that great. People would praise your name. You would walk around. You would be on the cover of Life magazine, which, by the way, you would also be on the cover of Star magazine because you're that popular. You would walk around and you would go, oh, there goes so-and-so. You go back to your house at night. Your 3.5 children would say, Mama or Papa, and they would clap for you, and they would sing like the Von Trapps. And you would be like, oh, good night. Um, it would be fantastic. You would love it. Your spouse would be there with, with your, your shoes to put on at night and a robe. You'd put it on and you'd say, and how was your day? And they'd say, great, because I got to come home to you. It's fantastic. And you'd be like, of course it is. You'd go to bed on your soft pillow and your bed that fits to your spine you would lay down and you'd go, mm, welcome. And you'd be like, yeah, welcome. And you'd go to bed and you'd wake up like you really are. And the, the fact about it is the whole world is hurting and yearning for this other identity that takes so much time and so much effort and so much of ourselves. We're pleading for the world to love us and accept us and take us in. And God's going, whoa, seek me. Because what I have lasts longer than that. I was reminded of something the other day. How many times they give away Oscars and MVP awards and all these other awards and stuff. How many of those sit on mantles they don't belong to today? Of actors and actresses, of basketball players and baseball players and football players that have died years ago, but their trophies are on somebody else's mantle today. Did you know that today you can go on eBay and buy a Super Bowl ring? I'm not even joking, like a real deal Super Bowl ring, not a fake one, like a real Super Bowl ring. You can go today and buy a Patriots Super Bowl ring. There's a lot of those, by the way, um, Patriots. But, but you can buy a Super Bowl, like the real deal ring. You know Why? These guys, they work their tails off in two-a-days and eating the right way and lifting weights and all this stuff. And they get all these rings. And at the end of the day, they can't pay their bills. And so they sell their rings they work so hard for. And you and I, who haven't done anything to earn it, can buy it and wear it around like we did. Did y'all see this ring? Actually, you'd have to wear it like this. You see this ring? Because they're all massive humans. See this ring? Yeah, me and the boys earned this back in 78. It was, I wasn't born in 78. It was awesome. I was there. I mean, I, I look at that ring. I, I think that there's a reality that's got to hit us. We keep trying to achieve the things that God never called us to run after. And Paul warns the church, you are going to keep working on your tents, only to find at the end of your life, there is a house that's been built that doesn't even have human hands, that built it. God is preparing a place for us in heaven, and why would we want our tents to be that fancy? 
Most Americans live on 1.8% of their, or 108% of their income every year right now. It's gone down. People are getting rid of debt, which is awesome. But here's the problem. Of the 108% of debt, 85% of Americans are living there. Which means today, we're living for more stuff than we even have the ability to buy. And Paul's warning is this. We're all going to do one thing and have it all in common. We're all born, we all pay taxes, and we all... Yeah. And the funny thing about earthly tents, the funny thing about earthly possessions, you can be buried with them, but you still die with it. I heard a story the other day of this man who won the Mega Millions. He, uh, he was one of those guys that just was really stingy with his money. It's just he and his wife, and, and for years they, they lived in this little tiny house, and they had these broken down cars, but he had millions sitting in the bank. At the end of his life, he was on his deathbed, and he brought in his lawyer, his wife, his best friend, and he looked at all of them, and he said, I have one condition upon my death. I want to be buried with my money. So the day of the funeral came. Casket was open, graveside. There laid the man. There stood his lawyer. There stood his best friend. There stood his wife. Lawyer said, are you prepared? And she said, yes, I am. And with that, she reached in her back pocket, pulled out a checkbook, wrote a check for millions of dollars, put it in there and said, if you want to, you can have it, and walked away. I think there's a reality. We can be buried with it. It still will be buried. The hardship for us is this. This earthly tent that we live in is not just the stuff we accumulate. It's the stuff we try and become. We are all created in the image of God. Each one of us has the handiwork of his mastery on our faces, in our palms, on our fingerprints. You were created for a purpose that no one else on this planet was created for. Because you were given a unique breath by God. And because of that, when we try and find ourselves in the image of anything else, we also show up in verse 1, building our earthly tent that ultimately will just be destroyed. We put this great sign outside on the front of our property. It's talking about... Uh, our service times and we we hung it up there and it, it was nice I had talked to Scott and was like hey let's put how they can contact us let's put our service times that way as people drive by they can always see it yes we did it hung it up one day I was driving from dropping off the kids and I was coming up Tascosa Road and it was like flowing in the wind just waving at drivers by I thought well that's not good it was really windy that day and that day I was like okay I'm going to go get a couple of guys in the office. We'll stand out there. We'll, we'll get the sign. We'll bring it inside. You know, easy deal. There, there were no guys in the office that day. I was like, all right, me and you, Clayton. And so I looked in the mirror, and I pointed at me, and I said, hello, me. Let's do this. And I looked back at myself and said, yeah, okay. Um, went out there with a screwdriver. Not, not a mechanical screwdriver, just a handheld because I'm a man. And I went out there, and because I couldn't find, you know, a, a good one. So walked out there, and the sign's just, woo, doing this number. And there was two screws I had to take out. So I got out there, and I stood on the sign. And 
because if I didn't, it was going to fly away. <laughs> Unscrewed one screw, and I was like, "Woo!" And then it just like really was like picking me up. I had to hold on to the sign, inch my way to the other end. When I get to the far end, I realize the screw has been just leaned over. It's not even attached to the wood anymore. I just pulled the sign off. I was like, well, that's awesome. Have you ever held a, a banner in the wind before? It, it's awesome. By awesome, I mean I really worried for my life. I was about 20 yards from the road, Tascosa Road. People were whizzing by, probably laughing at me. I'm surprised I haven't made it on YouTube yet. But So I'm trying to roll this sign up. And as I roll it, one side comes undone and it's waving and I'm falling and I'm holding on to the sign. Have it tucked between my knees. I'm holding on to the wood part like this and I'm, I've got everything like this in my hands. And then I realize something. I've got to get this in my truck somehow. And so I did what every normal person does. I walked <laughs> to my truck, grabbed the handle, and I fell in my truck with it, stuck it in, shut the door, looked around like, yeah, yeah, I'm awesome. I got the sign in, the sign that we had just bought, and every corner was tattered. It was ripped in the middle. It, it was just worn. This is exactly what happens when we try and put life into our own hands. When we try and control our own destinies, when we try and control our own outcomes, when we feel like we're in the driver's seat of our life, what we'll ultimately have is nothing but a tattered sign of what should have been great. Here's the thing about our human lives. Your life, this side of heaven, is not promised to be untattered. If anything, it's promised to be. We were promised that we would be wounded for his sake. We were promised that we would be ridiculed, be called aliens, be called foreigners. We would look peculiar. We would have all these things against us because of his name. Isn't it funny today that as Christians we look like everybody else? Jesus didn't look like anybody else on the planet. When he shows up, even his birth was obscure and weird. To be born of a virgin to be born in a dusty environment, to just, ugh. and then to show up and from the very young age be able to walk into the temple and astound the scholars, to grow up and, and everybody around him to go, wow, he's, he's really something. To be a man and to be fully God and fully man and to be so peculiar around all of his people, to call out the church, to call out the world and to say, y'all, only can come to God through me is unique and it's odd and it's difficult. He even says this, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. That's crazy. Did y'all realize today what we sang? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Y'all sang that. I did too. Anybody bothered by that? It's weird. You're like, when you really think about the look of that, you're like, ugh. I don't eat the chocolate fountain at any of those like furs or anything like that. That's just net. Think about this for just a second with me. Jesus says, by my blood you are healed. Weird. 
It just sounds weird, right? Like we have to go, what? But then we realize what he's really saying to us is this. From long ago, blood must be shed for sin from the very get-go. And we could keep going back to sheep and killing sheep for his glory and for you know, the price of our sin. But Jesus, by his blood, by his stripes, by his life, we are healed from the price of sin through obedience and faith to him. So why do we keep building our earthly tents like they matter? We worry so much about a temporary that does not last. I had a great privilege of knowing, a, I was talking, I got to teach a Sunday school class this morning, a life group. It's always going to be Sunday school in my mind, I'm sorry. I got to teach a life group this morning. I got to share the story of a man named Jesse who changed my life when I was in youth. He was just one of those faithful men that loved on us students when no other adult would show up on our behalf. He would come up to our youth room and hear us sing worship songs that he did not like at all. He got to hear really lousy teaching because we high school guys taught a lot during that time. And he didn't care for that either. But he loved us. I asked him one day, I said, Jesse, if you could do anything over, what would you do? He goes, I haven't had the time to do do-overs. He goes, I am old. He goes, and the older you get to realize this, life has been very very short. He said, you're in the youth of your life. It's going to seem like getting to 80 is going to take forever. He goes, let me just tell you, as an 80-year-old man, it didn't take long at all. It happened quickly. He was the same man that taught us that all of the things that we experience in our lives, the struggles we feel, the pain, the suffering moments, do not last. They go by so fast. Nothing but another measuring line on a wall. He said, I can promise you one thing though, boys. If you know Jesus, one day we will be standing in heaven together and the work will cease on trying to be perfect like we're trying. When Paul starts this out, he just reminds them, in your earthly tent, in this season you're in, you're going to groan in it. That's what it tells us in verse 2. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our, earth, our heavenly dwelling. We're going to go through so much between now and the end of our lives, but it is going to be so short. So we groan. Lord, why won't you come now? And, and I, I've got to the age where I've, I've really thought about this, and maybe you've thought about this. Won't being in heaven be better? the class this morning, I'm so sick of politics and the world and all that junk. Won't heaven just be better? Oh my goodness. The more we want to be with Jesus, the more we're going to realize being with him is better than anything else. I sometimes wish that when we had those moments, we would just and be there with him. I just, to breathe in heaven, that moment But that's not where Paul stops. That's not where he ends this letter. It's not even where he stops to dwell for very long. He keeps going. And he he reminds them in verse 11 that he, because of this knowledge of God, because of this 
yearning after God's heart, it, it produces something strange, a word that we need to capture today. Verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord. Now, I want you to hear what fear is defined as in Scripture. Number one, fear is defined as fear. Like being humbled by the fact that something is bigger than you are. Uh, I've never had this moment, but I can tell you I do know one of my wife's fears. And I think I agree with her. It would be to be in a small boat in the ocean when a whale comes up. Right? Any y'all with her? That, that would be a fearful moment. Because we've all seen Pinocchio. And we know that whales swallow boats, woodmakers, and puppets. <laughs> Scary. No one wants it. Here's one of my fears. To be in a boat with a guy with glasses and a big mega shark come up and eat the back of the boat. Fearful. That, that's a fear. Here's the other thing. Respect. Respect. Fear has a respect. It's the ability to realize when something is taken care of you. If you've ever walked into a tunnel that has the wood around it to hold the walls up, you can respect the wood. Because if you don't and you kicked it, you would be buried. Respect is the ability to see who God is and to respect that he is big enough to take care of us and love us. The other fear is this complete admiration for it is to look at something and go that could never be wrong so as we look at this it says now that we've grown this fear we try and persuade people what is plain to God and I hope that it is also plain to your conscience Paul tells them listen don't get lost in the fact that I'm I'm trying to share with y'all that we're evangelistic now don't don't get lost in it don't even get lost in the fact that it seems like like, I'm just writing craziness at this point. But listen to what he says in verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. That means this. Christ died for everybody. And it means this. We all ultimately will have a last breath. But his death covers our death. Death is swallowed by his. Verse 15. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but the one who died for them and was raised. When we die to self, when we put away the former things and we put on the newness, uh, he talks about it, we take out the old tent and we put on the new man so the Lord never found naked is his word. And I think it's brilliant so that we would not be ashamed of the fact that we don't have anything clothing us. Too often in church world, we will put off the old tent, have an emotional moment, and then put it back on again. Not even concentrating on the fact that Christ is the saving agent that we need. We, we don't even look like him. We don't participate with him. We're not following after him. And Christ stands by and says, I get it. I mean, I get it. It seems difficult to follow after me, but it's wonderful and powerful for a man or woman to pursue Jesus. 
Here's the brokenness of what's really happening. I worked for a welder for a while, and they had this tanker that they needed to weld up. It was dripping some fluid off the bottom of it, and I didn't know what was in it. What I learned later is it was when they drill for oil sometimes, they hit these pockets of oil and gunk and mud and everything just mixed together. It's nasty stuff. And they pump it out. But this guy pumped it into his truck. And so what was inside the truck was like mud with gasoline attached. It was nasty. It's like Play-Doh when I got to it. My boss said this, Kyle, come here. I said, yes, sir. He goes, get in and get it to clean. I was like, okay. So I jumped in, and, you know, the top of the tanker's way above me. And when I hit the ground, I realized something. They don't vent those things really well. And so it was just like, if you could pick up a, a gas hose and just go continuously, that, I was like, hey! It smells like gas in here. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'll be right back. I was like, oh, man. So I waited and I waited. And finally he threw me one of those surgical masks. And he goes, I don't think that's going to work. It stinks up here when I'm down here. So uh, I'll be right back again. So now I'm just sitting there with a surgical mask. Like, mm -hmm. Brought me one of those breathers. And he passed down this hose. And he goes, wash it out. So for like the next two hours, I'm washing this tanker out from the inside. I get it to here, and then it just sludges up. So my pants are up to here with sludge water and nastiness. And finally get it all cleaned. And he looks down, and he goes, eh, that'll do. So pass everything up, and I get out. And I realized something. What I didn't really capture when I was inside was every time I sprayed, it sprayed back. And so what I thought was just to hear was really here. I looked like one of the guys from Greece, you know, that I could have just slicked my hair back like this and it stayed. I got out and I was like, huh, these are new pants. I was like, huh, I think my mom's going to kill me. And uh, he goes, hey, here's some paper towel. Gave me two paper towels. I was like. Okay. Uh, went and talked to his wife. She gave me some paper bags from the store, and I lined my, my seat in my truck to it and sat down on them, you know, drove my way home. And I walked in the door, and my mom goes, whoa, take off the shoes. Like that did anything. You know, I was taking off my shoes. I'm still like dripping oil nastiness. Get in there, and I, I took my pants off that day, and they stayed in the shape. I thought, oh. That's exactly what we bring to God. We don't get it that all we've done to refine ourselves has sprayed back on us. It's changed us. It's shifted us. Paul says that when you take out the old self and you put on Christ, when you die to self, when you put on the death of Jesus and the new life in him, it changes us. But what it also does is it reminds us of our old self. It reminds us of what we used to be, and it calls us to call people into it with us. Can you imagine if you prayed tonight and said, Lord, tomorrow when I wake up, I want to see people the way you see them. Imagine what you would see. 
you would see kids like Kyle who were coated in oil and nastiness. And would we say anything? You see, we live in a world that is politically correct. But Paul didn't catch that. If anything, I'm learning from Paul that the way he even wrote to the church was hard. But he finishes chapter 5 with these words. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, he sees our old self. He's calling us to newness and he sees that in everybody else. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made the one who had never decided to get that nastiness on him. He took that man and he put him squarely in it. He did that so that we could step out. He did that so that you wouldn't have to walk in sin anymore. He did that so you wouldn't have to struggle anymore. He did that so your tent wouldn't have to just be the only place that you have anymore. He did it so that you could have a way and I could have a way to attach to him and have life eternal, not just temporary and not just muddied up, but perfect in Jesus. The most powerful thing I can think about is this. When God sees Jesus, he sees perfection. And when we are in Christ, he no longer sees Kyle the sinner. He sees Jesus the Savior. And he loves Kyle the sinner. Because without Jesus, I deserve the wrath of God. But in Christ, I get the love of God. I get the eternity of God. And I get the right to be called a son of God. And so do you. Women, I want you to know something today. I believe they've interpreted Scripture incorrectly. I really do. I believe that you as women are given better than just being called a daughter of God. Because I want you to think back for just a moment in time to what a daughter would be given. Nothing. God loves you so much, he gives you everything. He loves you deeply. He sent Jesus for you so that you could have the rights of being given much. Listen, today you may feel like you've got to work really hard to be something. I just got to tell you, Jesus died so that you could be made much of by him. You don't have to work anymore. You don't have to struggle anymore. Faith is not about the million things you can do. Faith is about the giving up of yourself for the sake of Jesus. We call it repentance. Put away the old, put on the new. Give away the old, wounded, muddied up nastiness for the sake of having something renewed and great. Today is your day. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus in a way that you've traded off the former for what Jesus has? And maybe today it's my plea for you to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do you know him today? Have you placed your faith in him today? Do you know for certain? If you do, praise God. But if not, today I want to get to talk to you. I personally want to 
talk to you about what it means to follow after Jesus. So I'm going to do two things for you. We've done this before, and I'm going to, I'm going to invite it again. I'm going to be praying, and as I pray, I'm going to ask our deacons in the room. They're going to go to each side over here. They're going to be here to pray with you. They're going to be here to meet with you. If you'd like to talk about how to know Jesus, they would love to talk to you about that. So I encourage you to come find them here in just a second. If today you want to know Jesus Christ, I personally would love to talk to you about that. Because I think it's the greatest thing you could ever do in all your life. Today is the day to quit walking in the former. Today is the day to quit going back to the old tent, to the old way. Today is the day to put on Jesus. Be called today a son of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, you'd move in this time. Lord, we'd hear the words of Paul, God, that we'd be challenged and led. Lord, to hear from him and to, Lord, take his lead. God, I pray today that you would speak through, Lord, our deacons. God, as they're going to be there to meet with people. God, I pray you'd use me to, Lord, listen and respond the way you had asked me to in people's lives. God, more than anything, God, each of us in this room, I pray that we'd be obedient, God, to follow after you. Lord, as we worship, we pray you'd move in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.